the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So in Genesis, it doesn't take long to figure out that we are all born on the wrong side of Eden's door and we do not know the way back to God and we cannot find the tree of life on our own. We can't open the door and shove ourselves back to the place where we can eat from it. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion of the Tree of Life. We brought you the first portion of this message yesterday, but due to our time constraints, we were not able to complete it. We will do so now, but don't forget, if you've missed any portion of this message, it's available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. So it starts with a garden, with trees, with life. It ends with isolation, being pushed out, losing the tree of life. And the tree of life is on the inside, and the tragedy is man and woman are on the outside. So in Genesis, it doesn't take long to figure out that we are all born on the wrong side of Eden's door, and we do not know the way back to God, and we cannot find the tree of life on our own. We can't open the door and shove ourselves back to the place where we can eat from it. The story of the Bible is a long one, and at times, we find trees to rest under on the road from east to west. It's amazing how trees are important in the Bible. As soon as they leave the tree of life, we find that certain key figures come to trees in the Bible. When Abram left Ur of the Chaldees, he found God in the promised land near a big oak tree like the one I knew when I was a child and like the tree that grew tall in Eden when the world was young. Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis 12, verse 6. The Bible says, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem. And how does it read? To the what? The oak of Morah. Now I can identify with that. That's like that big oak tree in the front of my house. The oak of Morah. He's coming from Ur to the land that God will show him to be blessed. And he stops at a tree. Now, the Oak of Morah. Morah in Hebrew means teaching or early rain. Abram met God at the Oak of Teaching, where the early rain of understanding falls from God in the spring. It was a religious shrine in the land of Canaan. Somehow you can get the right knowledge it was felt. If you get to a tree, a tree connects heaven and earth. And if you're at a tree, maybe heaven will drop some truth down to you, like the rain that comes from the sky. This is how they thought. The text goes on, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Thence he removed to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So at the tree he built an altar because he heard the voice of God there. Now so much is happening in this verse. It's funny how we read a verse. We move quickly from it to another, and we fail to understand its significance. Unlike Adam, Abram finds God at a tree. Adam leaves God because of the tree. 
Abram is moving from east to west like we all move from the beginning of our lives to the end of our lives. So his life journey is archetypical. It represents our life journey. And not at the end of the life or at the beginning of the life, not at the west or the east does he find God. In the story, God finds Abram on the road at the Oak of Morah between the poles of east and west. You see, God promises to find us in our journey, not at the end of our journey. In fact, Abram never gets to where he's going in life in the story, but God gets to Abram in his life. And here is the other thing we seek at the Oak of Morah. As soon as God finds Abram at the tree, Abram hears the word of God at the tree, and there God gives the exact knowledge that Abram needs for life. At the tree, God teaches Abram. God says, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, the word descendants in Hebrew is Zerah, and it's the word seed. To your seed, I will give this land. In Eden, in Genesis 3.15, God promised Eve the seed, and through him, a singular seed, the Messiah's seed, the life, God would crush the head of the serpent. And so, in a sense, God repeats this promise in principle to Abram at a tree. God promises Abram seed, just like he did to Eve in Eden. Life for Abram is the seed. As soon as God speaks in Abram's life at a tree, Abram moves to the east, to the mountain east of Bethel. In Genesis 2.8, Eden was literally from the east, Mechedim in Hebrew. Abram moves in the direction of Eden to the east. And on a mountain east of Bethel, there he builds another altar to God, just like all the pyramid builders in Ur and Egypt. You ever go to the ancient land of Ur? And these large pyramids were made to resemble cosmic mountains. They were thought of as houses of God. And so he's thinking of where he came from. You know, if I can find God again, if I go to a high place, if I go to a mountain, Bethel means house of God. And a high mountain is a high up place that gets you closer to God like Eden was, he thought. And there he builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him at the tree. Abram is trying to do what we try to do in our groping for God, in our journey, our search for God, in our hard pursuit of God. God finds Abram in an oak tree in the journey, the oak of seeing in Hebrew, where the first rain can fall. He finds Abram at the bottom of the tree and not at the top of the tree. He finds Abram moving from east to west in time, not at the end of time, in his time. And he speaks to Abram on the journey, on the level ground of life. And it is right there he reveals the promise in his word to Abram. As soon as Abram sees God at the tree, he stops going west in the direction of the future. He stops going forward. Have you ever had that in your life where you encounter God in your life and you stop moving forward? You got interrupted, you tried to go back. Have you ever done that? That's what Abram did. He tries to go back instead of forward. He tries to go up high instead of staying down on level ground at the tree where God found him at. You know, sometimes we try to find God by achieving things in our life, by having some great experience that's high up, and we don't realize that God finds us where we're at, low down. So he tries to find God when God has already found him. Abram calls on the name of the Lord when the Lord has already met him at the tree. We do the same thing in life. We back up instead of going forward. We climb up high instead of staying low and still. And like Abram, we leave the tree where God is at to find God in our own way on a mountain where we think he can be found. But God didn't give up on Abram, just like God doesn't give up on us. Sometimes we have to wander around in life to find our way to life. And sometimes we have to travel a lot to settle down. And this was true with Abram, and so it is with many here. 
There was a famine in the land, the Bible says, and Abram went south to Egypt to get relief from it. We do the same, you know. Church isn't meeting our needs. We don't find everything the way we want it. And Egypt represents the world, the call of the world. So Abram goes south to enjoy Egypt a little bit and to get off of this religious austerity business. He got into trouble in Egypt, and God got him out of the trouble in Egypt by getting him out of Egypt. You know, when you get into trouble in the world, you need to get out of the world back into the association of the saints. Abram almost lost his wife to a lecherous pharaoh who spied out his wife and wanted to marry her. But God rescued them both by grace and power and plagues like he would later do when he'd bring the whole nation out of Egypt. But no children in the journey. That's what Abram wanted the most. The seed, the child. No children in the journey. Him and Sarai growing old together. Moving, wandering about, looking for God, not finding him necessarily, but finding a God who finds them. And because everyone goes away in the end, Abram grows old. And in the storyline, it comes time for him to die. He approaches a hundred. You see, in the story, God is trying to tell Abram that God matters more in the journey than getting what you want in the journey. God often doesn't give us what we want immediately. He gives us who we need before we get what we want. And we may never get what we want. And so Abram keeps on going until he gets old and he still has no children, but he has God. Now this is the context for what happened at the door near the oak tree in Genesis 18. Genesis 18.1 And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Oaks are trees and Mamre means seeing in Hebrew. Not only can you be taught at the tree, you can also see God at the tree. Verse 2, how does it read? He lifted up his what? His eyes and looked and behold. Now very often in the Bible when you see that phrase behold, it's introducing Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the man. Echo homo. Behold three men stood and you'll see the Lord shows up. Very often the Bible says behold my servant shall prosper in Isaiah. It's Jesus. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men stood in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Hey, look, if the Lord comes by your way, if you see him suddenly in your life, you go after the Lord. Don't just sit there. Go after him and ask him to be with you and stay with you. There are seasons in life when the Lord visits you in a very personal way. Abram met the Lord at the tree and promised him that Sarah would have a son at the time of pleasure in the spring, that life would sprout in his family. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is a tree of life for those who find her because that is where Abram found God. Proverbs 3.18 She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. There are many metaphors for the word of God in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 8.3, God's word is food that is better than bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In many places in the Bible, God's word is symbolized by bread. In Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, God's word is like the rain that comes down and refreshes the ground and then returns to God. In Psalms 119, 105, God's word is a lamp and a light. A lampstand is a menorah candlestick and it looks like a tree. God found Moses at a bush that looked like a tree that was on fire, like a lampstand, a menorah on Mount Sinai. In Zechariah 4, two olive trees represent God's words. Two lampstands, two olive trees. The two witnesses. In Revelation 11, this symbol is repeated. The Old and New Testaments are the two witnesses, the two olive trees, the two prophets, the two lampstands. 
In Ezekiel Revelation, the tree of life has two sides in it. The tree of life stands tall on each side of the river of life because God's word is one, but the word is also two. The metaphor for the word of God is the tree of life. In the Bible, Jesus is the word. Let's get a little closer to the symbol. The word of God is alive. A tree is alive. Jesus is the word of God. Look at John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the what? The word. And the word was what? Was with God. And the word was what? God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And here's the key verse. In him was what? Life. And the life was the? light of man. So you just put it here, it's so clear. The source of all that is, is the Word, and the Word is alive, and we came from the living Word of God, the tree of life. In John 6, 51, Jesus is the living bread that comes down from heaven to give life to the world. In John 8, 12, and John 9, 5, Jesus is the light of the world. In John 4, 14, Jesus is the source of living water. All the metaphors for the word are used freely for Jesus in some way because Jesus is the living word. Abram saw God at a tree. Abram met God at a tree. And friend, that's how we meet God in our lives. We meet God at the tree. We find the living and abiding word of God dying for our sins at a tree, at the cross of Calvary. The word of God is there at the tree. The tree of life is the tree of the knowledge of God. It is the knowledge of the word of God. It is the truth that is God. Christ on a cross is the tree of life. Let me take you gently to the book of Galatians where Paul pulls back the veil and where the apostle of the gospel shows us what is going on at the tree. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How many of you are grateful for that? I am. The wages of sin is death. The transgression of the law brings condemnation. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law has no power to keep you out of heaven because of the cross of Christ. Did you hear me? If you are in Christ, you are not under condemnation. He goes on. Having become a curse for us. Now the key word is for us. What you could not do for yourself, Christ has done for you. You could not save yourself. He died for you. He goes on, for it is written, cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe... God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Tenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Verse 14. That in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
God forbid, friend, that we should glory in any knowledge or any idea or any system of truth or anything except the cross of Christ, the tree of life in our existence. God forbid that we should seek any branch of learning. We should seek any field of theology and substitute it for the cross of Christ. God has given us the Bible as a supernatural book to show us the living Christ who died on a tree. Now, I have been studying for the last 20 years linguistic, chiastic, and panel block structures in the Bible. And I can say without apology that after 1826, when the Deuterocanonical books were expunged by providence, that the Bible you hold in your hand formed a linguistic tree, a grid, that is beyond smart. And that this word of God that you hold in your hand is so intricately arranged by divine providence, you can trust every word, every objective symbol in their order. God has so ordained our Bible as complete. But it is only an extension of the magnificent mind and consciousness of the Christ who created the universe. The Bible is an extension of the living Christ who hung on a cross. Like Abram, we receive the promise of the Spirit from the promises of God in the Bible, which is God's seed in us through the Holy Spirit implanted in our lives so that we can come to know the living Christ. At Calvary, we see God in Christ at the tree. At Calvary, the rain falls on desert ground because Jesus is weeping there and because they pierce his side right there at the tree. At Calvary, God finds us on level ground because we kneel down right there at the tree. We cannot stand at the cross. We must kneel at level ground. At Calvary, the word is clearer than it was at Mount Sinai. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Is a lot clearer than thou shalt not. At Calvary, Jesus dies in the darkness that becomes the light of the world. At Calvary, God is silent, and yet God speaks the clearest for all time. The glory of the cross. Because the cross of Calvary is a tree. It is the tree. And the one who dies there on the tree of life is the tree of life. He is God's word. He is God's word. Friend, in the book of Revelation, the tree of life appears for the last time in the scripture. It's no accident. When sin and sinners are no more, when the great controversy has come to its final end, which is the new beginning for the human race, and a world restored, the tree of life, the symbol of the living Christ, will be there in that holy city. The Bible teaches us that God's throne will rest upon the very spot where Jesus died at the summit of the Mount of Olives. There the river of life will flow just like the stream of water from Jesus' side. And there at the place where Jesus died, at the summit of the Mount of Olives, the southern ridge line, the skull, the roche of the mountain line, facing the veil, there where Jesus died, God will take his seat, and there that place of the tree will become the center of the universe forever and ever. The cosmic tree will branch into eternity from there. It will be the place the nations bring their glory to. It will be the place with open doors that never shut. And it will be the place where the tree of life is found again on each side of the river of life that comes from the throne. The book of Revelation provides a literary structure at the end of the Bible that shows us what the tree of life really is. And I want to share it with you. Now, how many of you got your bulletins today? Now, I don't know if our greeters brought them all in, but you can go to the desk and I put an insert in there, which is a gift to you. It's a page from the book I'm writing. How do you like that? My book is 1,500 pages, so I'm not going to give you the whole thing. 
But this one page, front and back, is a structure, a linguistic chiastic structure in the book. Now you say, Pastor Mike, what's a chiasm? A chiasm is kind of like a tree with two sides. You go on one side, like a mountain. It matches on the left and the right. We call it A and A prime. And then it moves in order toward a center. And the center repeats the bookends at the bottom of the mountain. So you're kind of moving up to a center. And the title of this chiasm, this little piece I'm going to read to you was taken from, it's called The Wife of the Lamb Chiasm. It goes from Revelation 21.9 to Revelation 22, verse 20. And it really explains how important everything is. Revelation 22, verse 1 is the center of the chiasm. I'm not doing the whole structure. I'm just going to get near the end of the thing. You see where it says, For the Lord God Almighty in Revelation 21.22. Do you see that? On the other side, Revelation 22.5, it says, For the Lord God will illumine them. Go to the other side. Revelation 21, 23. It has no need of the sun, neither the moon, that they should shine in it. On the other side, moving toward the center, Revelation 22, 5, and the light of the sun. Now go back to Revelation 21, 23. Its lamp is the lamb. Go back to the other side. Of lamp and. So the lamp is on each side, moving toward the center. Revelation 21, 24. So the nations will walk by its light. Go to Revelation 22.5 on the other side. They have no need of light. Revelation 21 verse 25. Night will not be there. On the other side, Revelation 22.5. Night will be no more. See, it's moving toward a center, matching, bringing us to the linguistic, chiastic center. The main point here of this final section of the Bible. The nations go into it. Revelation 21.26. The Lamb will be in it. Revelation 22 verse 3. Revelation 21, 27, left side, anything that defiles will not enter it. On the right side, Revelation 22, 3, and there shall not be anything accursed. So we're getting close now. Revelation 21, 27, the one who does or makes in Greek, poieo. Revelation 22, 2, making 12 kinds of fruit. Now here's the one I want to zero in on, X and X prime. Revelation 21, 27, the left side, the book of life. Do you see that in the structure? Look on the right side. What is it? The tree of life. The book of life and the tree of life are cross-connected linguistically. Revelation 21, 27, of the lamb and of the lamb on the other side. Revelation 22, 1. And he showed me the water of life, brightest crystal coming out of the throne of God. That's the center. Being with God, where the center of God is at. Now what I want to draw your attention to is how the book of life is chiastically linked with the tree of life. See, the book of life in a sense, is a tree. There's truth in there. It has branches within it. It sprouts out. Revelation 22.1. Let's read the linear text together. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I want to zero in on that verse. How can leaves heal you? Does anyone here ever eat grape leaves? You know, Middle Eastern food, stuffed grape leaves? They're great. And, you know, if you ever go by a grapevine, take the grape leaves and make them the right way. It's great food. But here it says, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. How can leaves heal anybody? Friend, the leaves of the tree of life are the words of God found on the leaves of the page of the book of life. The word of God. You see, we're not going to be just eating leaves to live forever. We're going to be eating from the word of God to live forever. 
We'll be turning the leaves of the pages of God's word for all eternity. We have been told by God's sacred servant to this church that this book is an infinite book. It has an infinite capacity to teach us and grow us. That the living God is in this book. It will not be set aside. We need it not because the living word will be there. But it is an expression of the great tree of life that hung on the cross of Calvary. The living and abiding word of God. And we will be healed by the words of God as we take the leaves of the tree, the word of God. For all eternity, we'll take them into our lives. We'll gather to worship and to fellowship. The words on the page will point to the tree where Jesus died. And there at the tree, we will feel the rain and the stream of the river of the water of life forever, again and again and again. And there at the tree, we'll never stop tasting the word. And we will see God, and God will teach us like he did Abraham at the tree. Verse 3. There shall no more be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall worship him. Verse 4. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. And night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or sun. And here's the part I like. For the Lord God will be their light. And they shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And ever and ever, and when a million years passes, and a billion and a trillion, eternity is forever young. The spring has just begun. The rain is still falling. Life is alive. The tree keeps growing. And we move on and on with God into the ceaseless ages of eternity. Why? Because Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary, is the tree of life. That will conclude The Tree of Life, today's Reaching Your Heart. And don't forget, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe in prayer. We believe in the God who answers our prayers and meets our needs. Each week, we are standing by to receive your prayer requests and seek God with you. His word declares, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Call our prayer line today with your requests, and our team will join you in seeking that the God of heaven will meet each one of your needs. Our telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today, and as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.